πληροφορίες, επισκέψεις σε σελίδα μας στο ίντερνετ. Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans express ourselves through time. Our theme this week is the art of religion and I will be speaking to friend of the show, Papia Patel, about how art is used as an expression of Hindu culture. But before that, we are heading far away to Southeast Asia and specifically to Thailand. It is home to some of the most beautiful temples in the world that I was fortunate enough to visit fairly recently. And talk about cultural expression, these are something really quite spectacular. So the reason I wanted to talk about some of the Buddhist temples in Thailand are because I think they offer an expression of culture that is so different to ours here in the UK. We are fortunate enough to be surrounded by so many different cultural influences, but to really absorb yourself in another culture for me was a completely wonderful experience. And to get to the heart of culture in a country such as Thailand, you really have to take a look at the religious foundations of the country. And to do that, you need to visit places of worship, or in this case, temples. I refer to the art of religion because to me, these temples combine different forms of art, such as architecture and sculpture and paintings to create an authentic expression of not only their faith, but their nation's cultural history and identity. But I do want to preface this by saying that I am not religious myself and very much hope that I do not misrepresent a religion or culture in any way, but instead relate to you my personal experience of another culture. So what is the meaning of temples in Thailand? Well, Thailand is predominantly a Buddhist country and has been for roughly 2,200 years. And so these temples are very much in the heart of religious culture. They are where people go to pray to Buddha for things such as good health, good fortune and even seek advice. Temples are commonly referred to as Wat, which is spelled W-A-T, but this is actually the entire temple complex, which are made up of a few different rooms and buildings. There are tens of thousands of temples in Thailand and they are graded into three different tiers, where Royal Temple is the highest ranking and I'm going to talk about about a few of these today. The main temple in Bangkok is called Wat Phra Kial and it is one of the most famous temples in Bangkok because it is called the, um, the Temple of the Emerald Buddha built in the late 18th century and it is on the grounds of the Grand Palace so it is incredibly ostentatious, incredibly big and incredibly gold as well and for those of you who haven't been to Thailand I'm going to try and paint a picture of my first visit back in 2018 to this temple. First of all, it was a whopping 36 degrees in the middle of an incredibly crowded city. So already my kind of energy was a little bit depleted as was my water supply. But my goodness, when I saw this temple, I was in complete awe. The whole thing is gold and covered head to toe in jewels and mosaics. Honestly, though, in the sun, it makes it quite difficult to look at because the heat is reflecting off of every single surface. It's sparkling and you honestly don't know where to look sometimes. But the whole complex of buildings, which have multi-tiered and slanting roofs, are just 
absolutely beautiful they are completely glorious and so they have sort of finials which are like protruding kind of wings on the edge of these roofing slats which almost kind of are used to sort of represent the kind of um, heaven-like um, surroundings that the temples are in. They have a main feature as well called a chedi or stupa, which are like bell-shaped structures that often contain relics. And the emerald sculpture of Buddha, from which the temple gets its name, is located in the ordination hall. So as the name suggests, this is where monks are ordained. Now, the sculpture is only a mere 60 centimetres high, but it is carved from a single piece of dark green jade and it is adorned with gold and precious jewels. It is really something to see. But there are many myths surrounding the emerald statue dating way, way back to the 15th century. And it seems to have made itself around the world, around, sorry, around the whole of Thailand in the hands of different kings who believed that it had special powers. So this temple is kind of built around this statue and all that it means to Buddhists. So the halls of the temple are also lined with stunning mural and water wall paintings which depict the stories of historical significance there are 178 of them in total um, but they depict buddhist cosmology the life of buddha and some of them even show uh, pilgrimages and worship the temples combine the sculpture and paintings with the architectural forms and it's hard to see them sometimes as functional buildings because each different area looks like it's a piece of art in itself that you can immerse yourself in completely and every single angle is adorned um, in kind of gold and dripping with glitter and sort of emeralds and diamonds and it's hom it, to pay homage to Buddha essentially and also to kind of represent like a gateway to a higher and more powerful existence. Another one of the capital's main temples also of a royal class is Wat Arun, which is the Temple of Dawn, built in 1768. I actually painted this before I'd ever been there, as someone asked me to do a commission of it. So it was very odd visiting it, sort of stepping into my own kind of painting. It was sort of oddly familiar, um, but it's best known for its massive Prang, which is the main tower and it reflects into the waters and the river below and it is the tallest in Thailand at a whopping 80 meters high and it itself is decorated with millions of small pieces of colorful Chinese porcelain that all glisten in the sun as I said much like what uh, the original temple I spoke about it is glistening all the time it is so gold and the reflective surfaces are really something quite special the temple's name comes from the Hindu god Aruna who is often depicted in art as rays of the rising sun in artwork. So you start to kind of see the connection here. And is called the Temple of Dawn because in the morning, the first light at dawn reflects off of the surface of the temple, which kind of gives it this sort of ethereal or maybe otherworldly quality. And I found the kind of use of light really, really interesting because it's a common theme in artwork that I'm used to in Western culture, where you kind of use glowing halos and light kind of to signify divinity. And others, artists have used light to show kind of a new dawn or a changing world. And here, in the very kind of similar way, light has become part of the temple aesthetic and sort of elevates it um, its meaning and importance which to me really kind of spoke to me as someone that is very much not used to this kind of culture but I really kind of found that connection there which was really interesting. The third temple is called Wat Doi Sudep and this is not in Bangkok this temple is in Chiang Mai which is the northern region of Thailand it dates from 1383 and is situated on the top of the hill which when it is 30 degrees and you are 
sweating and it's hot. It is a real kind of climb. It feels like a some sort of pilgrimage in itself just to get there, but it does make it even more worth it when you get to the top. Um, but the temple um, is elevated above the landscape, which has kind of two meanings. And that is so eight people could find it without Google Maps because back then, you know, nobody had any way of getting anywhere. You had to kind of see where you were going and sort of hope for the best. I would, oh my goodness, I don't know what I would do. But um, And the other idea is that the higher the temples are, the closer they are to the higher powers and to Buddha himself. So the thing I remember most clearly about this temple is that it is guarded by Naga, which are mythological snakes. And they are sometimes shown with multiple heads, but their job is to protect the temple. And I actually thought they were dragons at first because they sort of looked too ornate to be snakes. But uh, but yes, alas, they are snakes indeed. But the reason I remember them is not only because they are huge and quite unmissable, but the fact that they are completely, again, dripping in gold and multicolored gems. And you just think, at what point do you run out of gold and gems? Because everything in this, <laughs> everything in the country that is, you know, of the Buddha worship and these temples, if they're just completely adorned, is um, is absolutely stunning. So it's completely glorious when you get to the top of the temple. Um, so just as art can be an expression of who we are as individuals, an expression of an idea, these temples for me, which use art in many forms, such as in paintings, sculptures and architecture and music even as well at sometimes, in my opinion, are an incredible expression of Thailand's historical culture and religious identity. Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now. I hope you enjoyed my mini tour of some of the most famous Buddhist temples in Thailand. Now I caught up with friend of the show and practicing Hindu, Papia Patel, to discuss how art can be used as an expression of her faith and culture. So I am here with Papia Patel, who is my friend from university. I recently went to her beautiful wedding where her faith and culture played a massive role in the festivities. Uh, so a bit of an introduction. My name is Papia. I work in talent, learning and development. And I have to say straight off the bat, um, <laughs> as a bit of a disclaimer, uh, I am in no way a scholar nor a graduate in Hinduism or in art, uh, but very, very grateful to be here speaking to Anna. Um, I'm a practicing Hindu with the belief of a higher power protecting my family and I. I wanted to sit down and speak to you for a while about your culture because it is so visual, but should we start at the beginning? Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about the origins of Hinduism? Okay, definitely. Hinduism is the oldest living religion and it is the third largest religion in the world with followers up to about 900 million people Goodness globally. Um, so it's a religion that doesn't have a single founder, no single spokesperson or even a single prophet. Mm -hmm. Its origins are mixed and very complex, mm. as is all different types of religions. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, but typically speaking, the basic principles of Hinduism are based around the primary scriptures known as the Vedas. Mm -hmm. um, and they classify all of the different pursuits of a human being. So collectively, they're known as dharma, ethics, artha, security, karma, pleasures, and moksha, which is liberation. How beautiful. So what are some of the ways that you've understood your culture through artistic expression? Um, I guess art in Hinduism specifically is very wide ranging. Mm -hmm. um, 
from classics in music that range all the way through to the application and adornment of different jewellery, and it ranges from different states in India, and not sure. one is the same. Yes. But when it comes to the arts, um, I think the way to think about it is that it's a whole expression that really is inspired by a spiritual dimension. For this reason, there is a lot of symbolism in Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the whole concept of art is described in the Shilpa Shastra text. And that states that the word form is reflected in a painting that is just as the moon is reflected in water. And just oh my goodness, these kind so of things, beautiful. I mean, it's very heavy. It is wow. very beautiful no, but uh, I text. Love that. It's really a, a true example um, that a picture can convey a thousand words. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to do in sure. terms of Hinduism. And I guess if you're describing, as you said, like a fairly complicated and um, ideas and maybe kind of um, spiritual concepts that's really really tricky especially for younger Hindus I imagine as well when like children and things like that visually that yes. might be an easy way of communicating I suppose absolutely you are um, so right um, paintings that follow many different themes um, and they include mythology love religion spirituality etc so these very complex different themes yeah. that are portrayed by sure, art sure. Um, and from a very young age people are able to see and connect with them in different ways yeah um, um, but in terms of art, it really falls into a couple of broad categories when it comes mm -hmm. to wall paintings or cloth paintings, uh, manuscripts, yes. and even miniature paintings um, on different pieces of paper yeah. or um, sculptures. So art is really an expression mm -hmm. for Hinduism in all types of different mediums. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really want to talk to you about the different representations of God in your culture. Yeah. So through, again, I have to say, my personal understanding, um, I think some of the misconceptions of Hinduism is that Hindus just generally believe in lots mm -hmm. of different gods. Yeah. But instead, Hindus tend to worship God, but in many different forms, and that's demonstrated right. through art. Sure, um, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, and there are a few examples of many Hindu deities that convey their philosophy behind art form, mm -hmm. uh, more specifically. And the figures help us to understand more of the difficult human concepts that we can have on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, okay. So although other faiths may be confused by the messages that Hinduism may be trying to portray, um, mm -hmm. it's the art that actually is the most unique gift, and it's preserved that really plays a major role when it comes to the substance of the faith and the culture mm -hmm. that can go on in modern day sure, life as well. Sure. One of the most popular gods, uh, <laughs> something that some, a god that really a lot of people relate to personally, the god that I think is the cutest is uh, <laughs> Lord Ganesha. Yes. Um, so he is pictured um, as having a human form but having an elephant head. Sure. And there are a lot of different types of things that he represents. Right, so okay. um, a couple of those examples. So the elephant head indicates the gain of knowledge through listening with large okay. ears, for example. I mean, that's quite, li like, that's literal. Uh, very it is literal, literal but yes. it's also, it makes, it's quite logical, it makes perfect sense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, two tusks that he has, uh, one that is perfectly shaped and the mm -hmm. other one that is broken, represent perfection and imperfection in our physical world. Oh, wow. Easy to understand concepts, mm -hmm. but depicted through art that people can really sure. relate to. But so the fact that Lord Ganesha um, depicts a higher power and that even he has these imperfections as mm. well. Um, it's comforting. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, definitely. Sure.
So many listeners will probably be familiar with um, kind of the churches and cathedrals as an example of places of worship. There are obviously very many places of worship for different kind of cultures and religions. They are all beautiful um, examples of cultural and artistic expression. So I think the listeners would be interested to know what are the places that Hindus can go to worship and express themselves? Oh, gosh. So I think worship or puja is a very important element of the religion because it becomes a form of performance as such to revere to God. Right. Okay. So um, there are two types of worships in Hinduism. Uh, one is around personal worship. Mm-hmm. So this is really where you have a place for your own puja um, at home uh, in private. Okay. So a lot of um, homes that do practice Hinduism will have shrines that have Hi, that okay. depict all of the different gods. It doesn't necessarily need to be a adorned shrine as such even Mm. if it is a small space wherever you are um, that is almost dedicated to your faith or to to god it is almost just Mm -hmm. like a sacred space that you that you have of course the second type of worship in hinduism is something around public worship and that's when we talk about temples and holy shrines and it's really a place of communal worshiping and it's togetherness Mm -hmm. which again is something reflected in all types of religions as well. So how do the designs and aesthetics of these temples reflect their purpose? Hindu temples are on the outside very beautiful incredibly detailed Mm -hmm. and there is a a reason for that uh, that the outward experience and the outward appearance of um, a temple must raise an expectation of meeting with God. Okay, um, got it, got and it. And so temples have various different architectural styles and there's mm-hmm. lots of different colourful images and sculptures in temples, yes. shrines, and again, a very vibrant experience when, yeah. you, when you go Absolutely. in. Um, and really, it's all to describe God in his existence. So in, in Hinduism, everything in terms of its art form is looked upon as an expression of God. Okay. In terms of shapes there are cave shapes pagodas um mandap style flat roofs um they all really just carry a different theme of the way that they they look okay. i suppose no um, no it makes sense so exteriors of the halls uh, porch they're covered with they can be covered with sculptures yes they highlight a lot of different events from hindu mythology um okay. and which of whichever deity that that particular temple is dedicated to mm-hmm. so even when it comes to the outside of the actual architecture yeah. of the temple even that starts to tell the story So when you go inside of the temples, temple walls can often feature repeated intricate carvings Mm -hmm. um, and these can represent things like scroll, images of women, loving Mm -hmm. couples um, and a lot of this signifies again these these complex concepts such as growth and abundance and prosperity and all of this is linked to auspicious motifs. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, sense it's almost like a tapestry kind of but in carving form of of telling that story and then you you become part of the history as you walk in which is really beautiful yes absolutely and they all seem to play this important role in visualizing and representing Mm. god I kind of noticed that, um, as I said, when I went um, to visit the temple with you and your family, there were so many sculptures. And I wonder whether this was maybe a, a way to sort of present the, 
the facets of God in a more maybe tangible, physical way? Is that kind of the importance of sculpture there? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say so. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll see that when you walk into a lot of temples that God is represented through paintings where the story of Hinduism's origins are told. Mm -hmm. Great wars in Hindu mythology, such as the Mahabharata, even challenges that God has had to face. Sure. Um, it can all be shown through this beautiful hand-painted and beautiful drawings and mm -hmm. motifs. Um, but traditionally as well, God and deities are embodied through holy sculptures, mm -hmm. which are created and painted and celebrated during different religious festivals that we have. Yes, okay. yeah. um, and people can then go and touch the feet of the gods and mm -hmm. worship them in that tangible yes. way that you said. Sure. I remember when it became near to, um, there was a particular festival and it escapes me which one it was, but the <laughs> statues become adorned. They, yeah. they, they kind of, um, there are offerings and, yes. and um, there were flower, I remember garlands mm. and flowers and um, incense and food. And it was just like, it was a wonderful way to kind of represent, as you said, the dedication yes. that people have towards their God. Absolutely. Um, so what other themes are really common in Hindu art? Extra limbs, for example. So, yes, uh, yeah. yes they can be seen <laughs> in a number of different Hindu deities, in paintings and sculptures. And extra limbs often can show how much power that a god is capable of because of their okay. ability to perform many different tasks at once. Got it. Like yeah. the multitasking yeah. abilities. I Again, quite literal, but yes. makes perfect sense. So, I mean, another one that is often shown is the lotus flower. So mm. lotus flowers represent purity, beauty, prosperity, uh, yes. fertility. So all of these beautiful concepts again. Absolutely. But the reason why in Hinduism the lotus flower is so important is because of the attributes that it represents. Mm -hmm. So the, the process in which a, lot a lotus flower goes through um, in order to blossom. Okay. So a lotus flower will grow out of mud and then right. rests on top of the flower and it grows showing hardship that one must endure to achieve that maximum beauty. So again, just awesome. it helps to make it more relatable that yeah. everybody can go through these experiences yeah. and with God being the higher power mm -hmm. and to be with your support, you can also do mm -hmm. the same. Um, I suppose a final theme um, or a common trend that is mm -hmm. shown is the symbol of Om. Mm -hmm. So this, it's a sacred symbol and it's quite a powerful one with being the symbol of God. Right. Um, okay. So Om is known to be the sound symbol that's used in most prayers, uh, chanted okay. before and at the end of many of the mantras um, it, during our worship. And in meditation as well, it's used as a very potent and most natural sound as such. So it really comes from the fact that Hindus believe that um, Om was the first initial and eternal sound mm, that okay. was produced at the creation of the universe. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. amazing. So the first thing that was heard is now has become now a symbol of kind of the beauty of creation. That's amazing. Can you, can you describe it for, for listeners that may not know what that symbol looks like? Sure, definitely. So um, the Om symbol is a combination of different curves and a crescent and a dot. Uh, okay. And the meaning of the Om symbol, whilst purely looking at it from its visual form, mm. comes from the state of consciousness that Om represents. Right, okay. So you've done such a good job of describing the depictions of God and deities. Where are these often found? You, you've kind of mentioned temples, but there are other things, other places that, you know, um, they're kind of often depicted. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to 
go to India or of course any house in the world that there are Hindu devotees in mm -hmm. I would say that art is everywhere that you look mm -hmm. um, so my recent trip to India for my wedding you can see it in everywhere um, so in houses and taxis and auto rickshaws mm -hmm. and shops and of course the dedicated temples but uh, sure. it's the notion that truly faith is everywhere and right. that is how it's represented through art. Mm -hmm. So art and symbolism as we've talked about seems to play an everyday role in Hindu cultural expression. What are some of the ways that people use their bodies um, and resources to express themselves as well? Because I've noticed that um, the body is kind of used as I said as to adorn mm -hmm. oneself is very much an expression of um, Hindu culture. Yeah definitely and I think that art in Hinduism isn't only present in religious rituals but also it's very visible in our customs and traditions mm -hmm. that we have. Yeah. Um, in some parts of India people still draw lots of different patterns with colours on the walls, on the floor, wow. uh, rangoli to really decorate and yeah. represent the, sancti the sanctity and the purity of the mm -hmm. household. Right. Okay. Um, we have a festival of colour, Holi. Yes. Uh, so oh, this very, yes, so great. Uh, various <laughs> also very Instagram friendly yeah, I've noticed as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that is very true. Uh, so, but the various colours and the water that are thrown all over each other yeah. um, amidst lots of loud music and drums. And it's really like in any other festival in India, the significance of Holi is to represent the victory of God over evil um, right. stories that were okay. again represented in Hindu mythology. Yes, amazing. So at your <laughs> wedding we were able to see some of the most stunning representations of your culture and faith. I felt like it was almost like everything had kind of everything in all its glory had come at once and it was overwhelming in the best kind of way. It was very um, visually stimulating. Oh, it was especially for true. someone that loves art I was in awe of everything <laughs> um, but often these kind of were presented as part of your dress and appearance. Could mm. you talk a little bit about kind of these more traditional adornments? Yes for those of you who know about Indian weddings they do tend to um, be a long process in terms of not just the day but yeah. there are many different days that are the lead up to mm -hmm. the actual wedding day one of the things Love to eat yeah it out. <laughs> exactly no exactly. i'm so jealous <laughs> uh, one of the things that we did was there was a henna ceremony for my mehendi on my hands Amazing. so um henna is made from a green colorful powdered leaves that's mixed with water mm -hmm. into a paste and if it's applied to the skin um then it leaves a very bright red and orange colour. Yes, because yeah. I, I was expecting it to look almost brown, but it was it was vibrant, yeah. as you said, and it, oh my goodness, exactly. it complemented what you, because you were in red, and it was just the whole thing. Was, but yeah, so, so it's it's all very lovely traditions that we, that we would follow, mm -hmm. and often the paintings and the decorating of the bride um, is often seen again when it comes to um, weddings. Mm -hmm. And then finally something um, that become quite an important thing in my life now, mm. quite a big update to my makeup routine, <laughs> um, is sindoor, uh, which is also known as vermilion. So the tradition mm. of wearing sindoor is said to have travelled through more than 5,000 years of Hindu cultures. Yes. And if you're not sure what it is, it's essentially like a red powder yes. um, that is worn at the parting of your hair. She's wearing it now I'm and wearing it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's very, it's kind of subtle unless you're looking for it, but when you see it, it it's such a beautiful symbol. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, it is um, a representation of, of being married. And of course it is um, 
not a mandatory ritual, it is a choice to wear sindoor, mm -hmm. um, but lots of beautiful stories that are, are linked to its tradition. So um, scholars say that the red is the colour of power, mm. whilst um, vermilion is a symbol of the female energy of Parvati and Sati, two Hindu legends in um, Hindu mythology. Okay, so, okay. so it's empowering. Yes. Female, I love that. Absolutely. Um, so in terms of the stories, um, Hindus regard Sati as the ideal wife who gave her life for her husband's honour. Okay. And Hindus also believe that the goddess Parvati protects all those men and husbands whose wives oh, wow. apply vermilion to the parting of their hair. Oh, that's so beautiful. So it's a story of love and sacrifice. Yeah. And also power, I guess. As Absolutely. Well. Amazing. Um, and I have to say, ever since I started wearing Sindur, um, even though, again, it's not a mandatory ritual at all, it mm -hmm. is a choice that I've... Yeah made um i have been feeling so powerful in my own self and i'm amazing i never knew how good it would feel that an expression of my religion mm -hmm. would enable me to feel the way that i feel oh so. i love that so Papia, where can people find you if they would like to look at what you're up to oh okay so um like i said i work in talent learning and development so slightly mm -hmm. different from the art industry. Hey, there's creativity everywhere. <laughs> there, is, there definitely is. Uh, and I'm going to bring that as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got a YouTube channel called Papia Learning Live. Um, I'm pretty new into my career, um, three, four years into learning and development. And so the reason why I've called it Papia Learning Live is because I am literally learning live as, um, as I, I am right now, <laughs> as I'm developing uh, my knowledge into the industry that I want to work in. So you can find me on my YouTube channel. Um, I do little snippets, especially to help new starters into the world of work, to help them with different tips, to make them more effective in the workplace. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Papia Patel. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. I very much hope you enjoyed our interview. That is all we've got time for this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. For any of the images discussed on this week's show or to contact me, please visit the Facebook site at the Art Then and Now show. Thank you very much to Sarah and Mackie for their audio engineering skills and see you the week after next at 3.30 on Resonance 104.4 FM.